Thank you for joining us for another life-giving message from City Church Now in Progress. We're going to dive into the Word. Check this out, City Church. We're going to go fast and furious. Amen. We're going to go fast and furious this morning. Uh, Today's message is simply titled, Level Up Your Dream. Amen. We've been in a sermon series that we've titled, Level Up. And we said the origin of this phrase is from the gaming world. If you're a video game enthusiast, you understand what it means to level up. But that word has also translated into everyday language, everyday uh, vernacular, everyday jargon. And it means to make a significant move in business or in life. And how many of you are ready to level up this morning? Yeah, in every area of our lives, God desires that we level up. In fact, it's God's plan and his promise and his purpose for our lives that we move from faith to faith, from strength to strength, and from glory to glory. Our God doesn't want us to remain stagnant. He wants us to move from where we are to where we ought to be. In fact, John Gardner said it this way, that we plateau, we flatline, right? We flatline when we lose the tension between where we are and where we should be. If it's true, and uh, if, we're, if we're honest with ourselves, we know that there's this tension that exists. It's almost like a frustration when life begins to pull you a little bit higher. Uh, that's a good thing. That tension means that you still recognize that there is more beyond where you are currently. The moment you lose that tension, you've stopped caring and you've grown complacent and it means you're stuck. It's a good thing to desire more. And I believe that it is God's desire that we grow into the capacity of the dream that he's entrusted to us. And so today as an homage, as a tribute to Dr. King, we're going to not only look at Dr. King's life, but we're also going to examine the life of a character from the Bible uh, who happens to be one of my favorite Bible characters who was also a dreamer. Uh, Genesis chapter 37 is our anchor text this morning, and I believe that the Lord will help us see some things that will cause us to level up, level up in our dreams. Amen? Uh, Do we have any dreamers in the house just out of curiosity? Uh, You've got got a few dreamers? Got a few dreamers in the house? Okay. Uh, Some of you still... Wondering if you're a dreamer, uh, that's all right, that's all right. Uh, I'm a dreamer, and, uh, and uh, I pray that what we share this morning will uh, inspire you, it'll encourage you, and it will excite you. In Genesis chapter 37, we're introduced to uh, Jacob and his sons. But the central character in this narrative is his youngest son at the time, Joseph. In fact, Joseph was not only Jacob's youngest son, he was Jacob's favorite son, the most favored among his brothers. At this time, Joseph has 11 sons by two wives. Come on, somebody. 11 sons by two wives. Uh, uh, there were sons who were the, 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 the sons of uh, uh, Leah, who was the wife that he had, but he didn't really love. And then there are the sons of Rachel, who was the wife that he really loved that he didn't get the first time. This was the wife that he worked seven years for, actually 14 years for, because their dad tricked him and gave him Leah when he expected Rachel. Now, the interesting thing about this story The backstory is that Jacob loved Rachel 
but Rachel couldn't give him any sons. It's crazy that the one he loved couldn't give him what he needed. <laughs> and the one he despised was the, ones, was the one who give, gave him what he wanted. Y'all know where I hear some, mm, mm. I wish I had some time to work that thing. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we look for love in all the wrong places. We try to squeeze what we want out of people who are unable to give us what we need. Sometimes we think, if I just give it more time, if I just give them one more chance. The good news about this story is <laughs> Leah overplayed her hand. And in mocking her sister, Rachel, God had mercy on Rachel. Come on, somebody. And God said, you know what, Rachel? I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to do something miraculous in your body. And sure enough, Rachel conceived and bore Jacob a son whom he named Joseph. That is a little bit of the context, the backstory of why Jacob loved Joseph so much. Because Joseph was the son of the woman he loved. Come on, somebody. When, when Jacob met Rachel, the scripture said he kissed Rachel and started crying. That's a whole nother level of soap opera there, right there, man. I have never, come on somebody, oh, only Pastor Wendy. First time I kissed Pastor Wendy, I started, <laughs> it's okay, baby. Okay, don't lie. Okay, my bad, my bad. <laughs> I didn't even do, <laughs> I did cry when I had the kids. Nuh-uh, you had the kids. <laughs> when you had the kids, I cried. It's a special moment. What am I talking about? He cried. Come on, somebody. Hmm? Listen, listen to what Jacob said. He said, I love this girl so much that uh, uh, Laban, I'm going to work seven years for her hand with no pay. That's some love right there, man. And then on the night when he was supposed to have Rachel, Laban did the switcheroo and gave him Leah instead. And know what Jacob said? He said, I'm going to work seven more years for Rachel's hand. Come on, ladies. That should be the standard for any guy who's trying to holler at you. 14 years. Come on, somebody. 14. Go talk to my daddy. 14 years. Single ladies like, man, I don't know if I want to wait that long. <laughs> Right, Monica, Monica, like, nah, that 14. And so, credit for time served. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, I'm going somewhere with this. This is the context of why Joseph was loved and cherished so much. And the story begins in, uh, let's start at verse, verse number one. It says, now Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. And this is the history of Jacob. Uh, that Joseph being 17, somebody say 17. 
Joseph was only 17 years old when we are introduced to him, and he's out there feeding the flock with his brothers. And it says, And the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, the father's wives, and Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. Uh, now, you didn't see Leah and Rachel because, again, uh, these were concubines. Uh, and so there's Leah, Rachel, there's Bilhah, Zilpah. There's all these different mamas that are involved in the story. And needless to say, Joseph is the son of the wife that Jacob loved. And now pick up in verse 3. It says, now Israel, or Jacob, loved Joseph more than all his children. Problem number one. Don't play favorites. It was obvious to all his siblings that Joseph was their dad's favorite. Problem number one. Can I say we're going to tackle some of this next month in our relationship series? In fact, the title of our series is Squad Goals. And we're going to tackle relationships on every single level. Relationships that affect the family, that affect marriages, that affect parenting. We're going to see what the word of God has to say about all of our interpersonal relationships. It's going to be really good. And so now he has his favorite, and it was obvious to all the other brothers. And he said, he also made him a tunic of many colors. But when his father saw that their father loved him, but when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, check this out, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. This is his own brothers. Couldn't even say a kind word to him. You know that there is an overflow of venom. There is an overflow of toxicity when you can't find a kind word to say to somebody or about somebody. And that's where his brothers were. We're talking about dreams. And I think one of the things that we must deal with in order to realize the dream that God has already laid up for us is sometimes we have to know how to manage the toxic relationships in our orbit. It's a big deal. It's a big, big deal. In fact, great dreams are often the product of imperfect and sometimes hostile environments. Y'all missed that. Mm. That the greatest dreams that we've ever heard of, the greatest dreams we've ever studied, the lives of the dreamers we admire and want to emulate, those dreams were often birthed in the midst of imperfect and often hostile environments. And that is exactly the situation, the nature of the dream that God is about to entrust to Joseph. He's about to birth a dream in an unstable environment. Joseph was only 17 years old, so he didn't understand that what God was entrusted to him was more valuable than the system that he was in. If he had understood how valuable the dream was and how hostile the environment was, he would have kept his mouth shut. That's where most of us miss it. God starts to talk about, to us about things, and because we don't understand the necessity of understanding of our environments, we just kind of start blabbing to everybody 
everything that God is saying. I think if Joseph is guilty of anything, he is guilty of being naive. Hmm. And so God has to grow Joseph up and he has to grow him up into the size of the dream. I hope y'all listening to me. I am dropping truth bombs, hashtag knowledge. <laughs> yeah, I'll be my own hashtag, baby. Thank you. I'm talking to somebody now. God wants you to level up your dream. But he also wants you to see that great dreams are often the product of imperfect. You know what that means? You know what that means? Most of us say it this way. Necessity is the mother of invention. That great ideas are born out of hostile circumstances. Most of us miss what God is trying to do because sometimes we find ourselves in a difficult place and we ask God to rescue us from it. When sometimes God puts you in that hostile situation so that you can be the solution to it. So that from that hostile environment, from that imperfect place, he will begin to cause you to dream and to innovate and to find a solution to the problem. Because everything God creates, he creates to be the solution to a problem. That means when God thought of you, when he fashioned you, when he formed you in, his mother, in your mother's womb and ordained you, he created you because he had a problem in mind that he wanted you to solve. Oh, y'all missed that. In fact, every single day you should walk around and say to yourself, I am God's solution to a problem that exists in the earth right now. Yeah, because great dreams are often birthed in imperfect and hostile environments. Can I say maybe this, this is a good time to reframe how you see your life, how you see your job, how you see the people that are getting on your last nerve, is it possible that God wants to use them to pull the dream out of you? Listen to me. Let me tell you something. Sometimes we miss what God wants to do. Not because of our effort, but because of our approach. We see the problem as something that God needs to deliver us from. When God says, this is a problem I created you to solve. And how I see it determines how I respond to it. And that problem that is surrounding you, that problem that you might be in the midst of, God saying there is an answer that is inside of you. And how you see the problem determines how you will approach it. I believe the Lord said to you, it's not about your effort. There are people who work hard, work hard, work hard, work hard. Put in the, the, the sweat and the blood and the tears, and you see them talking on, on social media about their daily grind. The problem ain't your grind. The, proper, the problem is the approach. Because you're seeing the problem the wrong way. So now God puts this dream in Joseph. He entrusted to a 17-year-old. Uh, Joseph is a little naive, so he doesn't understand how he's supposed to 
deal with the dream. Somebody say level up. If we're going to level up with the dream, here's, a, here's, 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 here's something to consider. Can I just talk to you all this morning? I'm just going to talk to you. Uh, 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 the second thing that you're supposed to do, you got to recognize your environment. But then the second thing you have to do is be selective about who you share the dream with. Not everybody is worthy of the dream. So, 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 so notice what Joseph does. It says, one night Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him even more. Now, why would Joseph tell his brothers his dream when he knew they already despised him and they couldn't even speak peaceably to him? Huh? We might say it was naivety. We might say it was immaturity. Might we even say it was a little bit of pride? Nana, nana, poo, poo. I'm going to be greater than you. Man, that just came off the dome. <laughs> nana, nana, poo, poo. I'm going to be greater than you. Y'all need to be snapping. <laughs> Spoken word in the house this morning. Let me tell you why you need to be selective. If you will be more selective, you'll be more effective. And here's why we need to be selective. Here, here's why, here's why. Uh, Jelani Daniel said it this way. He said, most dreams are held captive by other people's opinions. The moment you open your mouth and share your dream with the wrong person, they have the power and the potential and the ability to hold your dream captive by what they say to you. Especially when the people you share your dream with are voices you trust. I hope you all hear me this morning. And so, and so Joseph shares the dreams with his brother, and when he shared, they hated him even more. Let me tell you why. Because your audience will typically be in one of three categories. Your haters, and you will have them, will be those who try to dismiss the dream. When you tell them about the dreams, like, man, that's just Ray. That's just Wendy. Man, forget about that. They're not even, they don't even care about the dream because they think so little of you. <laughs> Ain't no way she <laughs> start start a soap business in her bathtub. Uh, by the way, which is what's that soap company? Not you, not you. What's the girl in New York? There's this whole soap line that she started in her uh, Carol's daughter. Yeah, hair products. Sorry. There are going to be people in your life when you start to share your dream, they're going to dismiss the dream because they've already dismissed you as a non-factor. So be selective about who you share your dreams with. Number two, here's the second one, here's the second one. There are going to be people in your, in your life who when you share the dream with them, they will despise the dream. They will hate the fact that you dream and you think so big. And they will not only despise the dream, they will despise you for dreaming. So be selective about who you share the dream with. 
Now, here's the third category. Uh, wow, you stole my thunder. It's all up there at once. Okay. Okay. Man, I thought I was about to drop some <laughs> hashtag knowledge. Listen to me. The third group, and these are the people that Joseph has to deal with, are those who try to destroy the dream. Oh, no, 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 no. In fact, I sent that to you wrong, Angie. Can I, can I tell you how I should have written that in my notes after I thought about it all night? Is that there are those who will try to destroy you because if they can destroy you, they know the dream will die with you. Assassins of your character, people who slander you, who say things about you, who may not necessarily be evil. I mean, like, overly, they ain't trying to kill you, but they are trying to destroy you, though. So they will say things to people that will make them have an unhealthy appreciation for you. They will try to destroy you because if they can destroy you, they know the dream will die with you. And can I say sometimes it's the people that's closest to you, like Joseph's own kin. This is the first record we have in Scripture of human trafficking right here. And it wasn't strangers. It was his own family. I don't know if y'all say this in America, but we say it in Liberia. If your house don't sell you, the street won't buy you. That's what we say in Liberia. If your house don't sell you, the street won't buy you. A lot of times it's the people who are closest to us who discredit us and try to destroy us. God has entrusted a dream that is too precious to entrust to the wrong people. So if you're going to level up in your dream, first of all, recognize that the environment that you're in is tailor-made by God to pull creativity and wisdom out of you. It's not something for you to be mad at. It's supposed to be this situation right here. God wants to use me to be the divine solution to a complex problem. And my dream is associated with that right there. Number two, I can't tell everybody my business. This is going to be on a need-to-know basis only. Are y'all with me? <sighs> Man, there's so much I want to say about this. So much I want to say. So much I want to say. So much I want to say. Somebody say, help him. Come on. Now, notice what Mahatma Gandhi said. And the reason I like Gandhi is because Gandhi's uh, approach to civil unrest was civil disobedience or passive resistance. He was not about violence. And notice where Mahatma Gandhi got his, his the thing that influenced Gandhi's uh, 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 approach more than anything was Jesus. A everything that Gandhi believed came from scripture. You know what Gandhi said after he was kicked out of a church in South Africa? He, you know what he said? He said, I love their Jesus. It's his, it's, their, it's his Christians I don't love. His Christians are so unlike him. You know why Gandhi believed in passive resistance? 
because of what Jesus taught about turning the other cheek. Gandhi influenced Dr. King. But it all came from scripture. While we were kicking him out of church for the color of his skin. God was about to use Gandhi to transform an entire nation. But you know what he left out? He left out Jesus and used his principles because of his lousy PR firm called the church. We got to get better. Now, let me tell you what Gandhi said about your haters, my haters, because you're going to have a few. Notice what Gandhi said. He said, first they ignore you. Then they laugh at you. Then they fight you. Then you win. Come on, somebody. You need to get you a bumper sticker or something and put it right on your dashboard and say, first, they're going to ignore me. Then they're going to laugh at me. Then they're going to fight me. But guess what? All I do is win, 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 no matter. Oh, snap. Oh, snap. Is that how you do it? You snap? No matter what. No matter what. Fight for the dream. I don't have time to get into everything I wanted to say, man. I, it's, yeah. But I'm just going to give you this, this, this one right here. Y'all ready for this? If we're going to level up in your dream, these are lessons we learned from not only Dr. King, but also from Joseph, also from Joseph, Joseph is along the way, after people have done you wrong, misused you, let you down, disappointed you, man, here's the key now. You got to guard your heart. Can you imagine Joseph? Or can you imagine being Joseph and being sold into slavery by your own brothers? Being trafficked out of your homeland into Egypt, somewhere you've never been, by your own blood. That'll do something to your heart. That'll not only, okay, uh, yeah, pump the brakes. I still got a few more minutes on that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Just, just chill. Yeah, yeah. You did good, though. You did good. That's what I told y'all to do. Come down. But y'all just be um, Madame Tussauds Wax Museum for a second. And I'll hit you when I'm ready for that little, okay? Everybody say hi, Will. Everybody say hi, Marcus. Boom. Okay. Because I got to say this. Y'all ready? Patrick, you here too? (laughs) Hi, Patrick. I didn't see you. Thank you. Good. Thank you. Thank you. Y'all just pumped the brakes out. I got to do this real quick, and then I'm going to wrap up. Okay? Y'all ready for this? Guard your heart. Guard your heart. If this dream is going to work, man, if this thing is going to happen, this thing's got to be right. That's why Solomon said, guard your heart, for out of your heart flow all the issues of life. It would have been very difficult, maybe even impossible, for God to do all that he wanted to do if Joseph's heart wasn't right. If Joseph was motivated by bitterness and anger and resentment, he wouldn't have been able to do the things. Listen to me. When he came into Potiphar's house, the scripture says that Joseph served with such excellence that Potiphar didn't even have to look into anything that Joseph did. That doesn't sound like a young man who's bitter. At 17, he had the presence of mind to still give his best in in an environment that he didn't choose. Listen to me, most of us do stuff in life angry and bitter and God can't bless or promote that. 
And we say, I got this dream from God, I got this dream from God, I got this dream from God, and we can't even serve well where we are because we're bitter. Not Joseph. Can you imagine being in an environment that you didn't choose and still giving your very best? To the point where the person that you're working for says, man, look, you in charge of everything in my house. In fact, the scripture says Potiphar did not even look into anything that Joseph did. It doesn't even ring of someone who has been abused and misused and mistreated. You know why? Because he guarded his heart. And in guarding our hearts, we guard the dream. Ah, oh boy. I got a few minutes, and I'm going to give it to you. Can I mess with your theology? I, I just talked about how you deal with your haters and, and that you will deal with haters and all of that. But can I, may I submit to you this morning that when it comes to the dream, your greatest enemies are not always the ones that come against you, but the ones that come from within you? It doesn't matter how many people come against you. What really matters is what's coming out of you. It is the enemy within that will sabotage the dream more than the people that are coming against you. Because again, you are the guardian of the dream. And if you ain't right, ain't no way that dream coming out right. Ain't no way, regardless of what people say or do. If you don't guard your heart in the midst of adversity and opposition and criticism, that dream is going to come out twisted and mangled and deformed because it has been touched by unforgiveness and bitterness. I'm talking to somebody this morning. Even your motivation. If your motivation is to say, I'm going to show them. I'm going to prove them wrong. The dream is already contaminated. Are y'all with me? Uh, so guard your heart. Here, here's how you do it. Y'all ready for this? If y'all if take anything away from this message, I want, to, I want us to land right here because these are things that Joseph had to do. I don't have time to go to every single verse or the, or the text, but you know the general idea uh, of Joseph's story that he had to choose to forgive his brothers. Let me tell you about guarding your heart. Point number one, do it anyway. Do it anyway. When it comes to forgiveness, and how we overcome what others have done to us. Do it anyway. Just do it. Notice what I said in the notes. It may seem mechanical, but just because it's mechanical, it doesn't mean that it's not meaningful. Do it anyway. Because your emotions will always follow your obedience. I'm talking to somebody this morning. If you're waiting for the feeling to obey God, you may never obey God. Because what you feel is very real. The pain of what you experience at the hands of others is very real. And if all you're waiting for is for you to have the right feeling in order to obey God, you may never obey God. Do it even if it feels mechanical. And that's why when his brothers came into the room with him, and they didn't even recognize him, Will. His own brothers didn't recognize him. The scripture said he excused himself, went to another room and wailed. He is the prime minister of Egypt and he could have had all of them beheaded or imprisoned for the rest of their life. 
I guarantee you, Joseph didn't feel like forgiving those jokers. But if you're going to live the dream, you got to forgive those who have wronged you, even though it just feels mechanical. But just because it feels mechanical doesn't mean it's not meaningful. Your emotions will eventually catch up with your obedience to God. I'm talking about leveling up your dream. It's for some people who are just stuck in what people did to them. Can't live the dream because you're stuck in what that last person said and did to you. Then God's saying, let it go. Number two, don't over-personalize your failures or successes. Don't over-personalize it. If you're going live to the, live the dream, you got to learn about how, you got to learn how to fall down and get back up again. Do you have that graphic? I sent you a graphic of, of all these companies that we know. Can we just put that on the screen? Yeah, we'll put that on the screen real quick because I want to take a look at it. No, no, don't put it yet. Don't put it. No, 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 don't put it. Take it up. No, 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 no. Sorry. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I just remembered. That's for my last point. That's for my last point. Okay, I promise you. I'm going to go fast. I'm going to. Sorry, sorry. Sorry. That's for my last point. Okay. Don't over-personalize your failures and successes. Listen, listen to this. One moment or season of your life does not define you. Man, you might be in a hard place right now. But that hard place, don't allow that hard place to define you. You are not your last failure, but you're still not your last success. That's why some people fall apart when they lose the dream job, because they allow that level of success and achievement to define them. You are who God says you are. In spite of the failures and, listen to this, and the successes. This moment, this season in your life is just a snapshot. It's just one picture in the photo album. So don't allow this season to define you. Joseph refused to allow moments and seasons to define the totality of his life. Number three. <laughs> Woo, Jesus. Decide to trust again. And I use that word on purpose, decide. 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 It starts with a decision. I shared this on the prayer call, and I shared this with our pre-service huddle, and said, uh, and this is not original with me, but it was so good, I said, man, I'm going to adopt that. My cousin posted something on social media, and this is what she said. She said, I'm going to approach every day in 2019 as if it were January 1st. Yeah. I'm going to approach every day with the same level of enthusiasm, the same level of passion, the same level of focus. So, Pastor Ray, why are you talking, saying all of that? It's a decision. But every decision must now become a discipline. I make the decision, but what must happen next is what I do daily. That's the discipline part. I can say, well, I decide today to trust again, and then tomorrow I say, no, I ain't trusting. No, no. After the decision, you have to discipline yourself. And if you can discipline yourself long enough around the decision, it will become a delight. That's how we live in 3D. It starts with a decision. 92% of people by January 15th have abandoned their New Year's resolution. 
Because they made a decision, but there was no discipline. And can I tell you, the longer you discipline yourself, the more that thing will become a delight. That's why people who struggle sometimes to work out, if they work out long enough, now they can't go a day without working out because it has become a delight. It's no longer a discipline. It is now a delight. So decide to trust again. Here it is. Here it is. Yeesh. I promise you, I'm about to wrap up. I promise you, I'm about to wrap up. Here's the third thing you got to do. Fourth thing, fourth thing, fourth. This is how you guard your heart on your way to your dream. You have to fight isolation. That's what the enemy's going to try to do. Oh, don't put it all up there. Please, please, I'm begging you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm begging Fight isolation. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why this is a tricky one. I got to give it to you. I got to give it to you. Let me tell you why it's a tricky one. Because, because community is the problem for most of us. You ready? This is good. Community. The reason most of us struggle with being around other people is because it's hard to get hurt all by yourself. That was tweetable. I ain't going to deal with these people. I ain't going to go there because if I deal with these people, I run the risk of being hurt. So if I isolate myself, it's safer because I love myself. I'll take care of myself. If I mess with these people here, I run the risk of somebody hurting me. So we resist community and we live in isolation. But can I also tell you that ironically, community is also the solution. The very thing that we avoid sometimes is God's solution. That the dream is not fulfilled in isolation. That you need other people to help you get there. Okay, let me just say this one, and then I'm going to wrap it up. Because here it is. Y'all realize that everything God creates, Satan counterfeits. God creates, Satan counterfeits. That's why Moses in Egypt, every, everything he did, eh, the sorcerers did the same thing. He threw down a stick, turned to a snake. They threw down their sticks. It turned to a snake too. Now, Moses' snake swallowed them. But whatever God creates, Satan will counterfeit. So we think we're doing what God wants us to do, but the enemy's got us locked up because we're buying in to the enemy's philosophy. Now, this, this is it. Solitude is used by God. Isolation is used by the enemy. There's a difference between solitude, getting away with God for a moment, and living in isolation. Number four, and this is where I close. Is this helping anybody yet today? going to level up in our dreams. I'm just having a conversation with you. I ain't preaching this the way I wanted to. I just want to talk to y'all as your pastor. Here's the key. You're going to level up in your dream. You can start to play medicationally. That's not a word, but it just sounded good. Are y'all with me? Final one. 
Dream big. <laughs> but be willing to start small. Yeah, Lord. Father, would you help us to get that? That, God, we can have dreams of greatness and dreams of grandeur. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more details about City Church and for other resources, visit us online at www.citychurchtv.com or contact us via email at info at If you are encouraged or inspired by today's message, we ask that you prayerfully consider partnering with us financially, either in a one-time gift or as a monthly partner. No gift is too small. We have three convenient ways for you to give. Via our website at citychurchtv.com backslash give. Via text, text citychurchtv and the amount that you would like to give to 77977. By mail, mail your check or money order to City Church Global Ministries, 8105 Razor Boulevard, Box 90, Plano, Texas, 75024. Once again, thank you for downloading today's message. We look forward to connecting with you soon.